as the family of God, our hearts and our discipleship efforts should bend towards the next generation. Pastor Michelle um, talked about it in, in her prayer earlier. Pastor David in his kid sermon is that our kids are not just part of our individual families as we come here to church. They are part of the family of God. They are part of New Community Covenants family here this morning. They are members of the body of Christ with us. We're going to get to that a little bit more here in a second. Um, But that should affect our view of them. That should affect how we disciple one another. But before we get to that, um, in her book, Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome, Dr. Joy DeGruy writes about the Maasai community of Eastern Africa. She says, among the many fabled and accomplished tribes of Africa, no tribe was considered to have warriors more fearsome or more intelligent than the mighty Messiah. It's surprising then to learn the traditional greeting passed among the Messiah warriors, Kassarian and Giri. One would always say to each other, and what it means was, and how are the children? It is still the traditional greeting of the Messiah, acknowledging the high value the Messiah placed on the children's well-being. Even warriors with no children of their own would always give the traditional answer, all the children are well. This meant, of course, that peace and safety prevail. The priorities of protecting the young and the powerless are in place. That the Messiah people had not forgotten their reason for being, their proper function, and their responsibilities. All the children are well means life is good. It means the daily struggles of existence, even among poor people, include the proper care of the young and defenseless. I wonder, she writes, how it might affect our consciousness of our own children's welfare if we took to greeting each other in the same daily question, and how are the children? I wonder if we heard that greeting passed along to each other a dozen times a day, whether it would begin to make a difference in the reality of how children are thought of and cared for in this country. I wonder what it would be like if every adult among us, parent and non-parent alike, felt an equal weight of responsibility for the daily care and protection of all the children in our town, in our state, and in our country. I wonder whether we could truly say without hesitation the children are well. Yes, all the children are well. What would it be like if the president began every press conference, every public appearance by answering the same question, are, or, and how are the children, Mr. President? If every governor of every state had answered the same question at every press conference, and how are the children, Governor, are they well? Wouldn't it be interesting to hear their answer? So the prominence of children within society is unusual for our culture today. Right? Too often we're more familiar with children should be seen and not heard than asking the question, and how are the children? But the importance of children in society is a very biblical concept. We're going to look at, at Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. And, and if you're able, if you could please stand for the reading of God's word. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 is part of the Shema. This is a a daily prayer, a morning and evening prayer for the people of Israel. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. Now, verse 7 in particular is where we want to spend um, the bulk and the focus of our time today. God, through Moses, calls the people of Israel to impress these things, these commandments, God's commandments, on the children. To talk about them throughout the day and into the night in all that they did. It was this idea that, that the things of God should constantly be on their lips. Always ready to impart a bit of spiritual knowledge throughout the day. This brings to mind um, Jesus and his parables. His parables were so often based on a recent experience or, or, or a sight that they were passing by. Right? It was this, this kind of teachable moments throughout the day that Jesus would seize on to, to teach what it means to enter into the kingdom of heaven. What it means to be a child of God. But this is more than just a command to parents because obviously as parents we kind of take on this primary role of discipleship as we should. But Moses here is not just speaking to the parents within the Israelite society. Right? Look at who this is addressed to in, in chapter 6. He says, Hear, O Israel. He's speaking to the entire congregation of the people of Israel here. But now some could say, you know, maybe it's just addressed to the parents within Israel, right? He, the whole thing is, is to all of Israel, but that part is, is more specifically to parents. Well, let's look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy 31, in verses 12 and 13, Moses now is near the end of his life. He's looking to transition leadership onto Joshua. And this section talks about the importance of remembering the wilderness experience for the Israelites. After coming out of slavery in Egypt, wandering through the wilderness, finally here they're, they're getting ready to enter the promised land. They're not quite there yet, but soon they're going to cross over the Jericho or cross over the Jordan River to Jericho. And we know kind of the rest of the story as they go into the promised land. But here Moses says, assemble the people, men women and children and the foreigners residing in your town so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God. As long as you live in the land, you are crossing the Jordan to possess. See, notice how Moses gets real specific when he's talking to Israel. He says, gather the, the men, the women, and the children. And he also includes the foreigners who are living there. But he, he includes the children. He doesn't just say, well, we'll gather everybody together. Right? He specifies children in amongst the midst of the congregation of Israel. They were, they were valued members of the community and the congregation here as they heard the word of the Lord. Now, Pastor Michelle mentioned earlier as one of the reasons that we include kids here on the first Sunday is to reaffirm to them that they are part of this body. But also to remind us as adults that they are part of this body, right? Because let's be honest, when we come to church on a Sunday morning as adults, most often we've been trained to, let's put the kids over here and let me go get my version for me on more of a level that I can handle, right? And, and look, we have kids sitting, 
we preach the gospel in, in a, a way that our kids can comprehend and, and relate to and grab onto. But that does not make them any less a part of this body. Amen. I expected a stronger amen on that one, y'all. So the, the, the children were to be present for the reading of God's word and the worship that would accompany them. And, and, and check the reasoning, right? Check why. So that they would learn to fear the Lord and follow him. This was corporate discipleship. This was training children to worship and fear the Lord. Now, I will admit, it is tempting when our kids are here on a first Sunday to pass my phone or a tablet to my kids and say, occupy yourself so I can listen, right? I do that. I will admit to that. But it's also a discipleship time for our kids. It is a time where they watch and observe all that we are doing and learn what it means to follow after the Lord. This corporate discipleship includes children intentionally, and it's echoed by Asaph in Psalm 78. He says, we will not hide them, the words of God, we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. See, God was continually commanding and encouraging the people of Israel to disciple the next generation. God always had the next generation on his heart. We see the same emphasis in Jesus as well. This is not just an Old Testament idea. See, society seems to have changed a little bit by the time Jesus comes on, on the scene. Children were seen maybe more of a little bit of a hindrance than a blessing when it comes to adult presence and adult conversations. But in Luke 18, we find Jesus teaching the people, and, he, and the people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him. He said, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who would not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. See, instead of a hindrance, Jesus saw the children as an example of the humble faith that is needed to enter the kingdom of God. There we go. The, these passages demonstrate that throughout the whole of Scripture, God loves children. And he places a priority on their discipleship. And it also shows us that children were intentionally included within the congregation and its instruction. God's heart is for future generations. But the people of Israel were a nation. They were literally all related by able to trace their ancestry back to Abraham, right? So there is um, a commonality that they had that we don't all necessarily have. They had that genetic commonality, right? Their society had this concept built into their cultural norms. So how does this apply to us today? Because some could dismiss that as, well, you, you know, you're just raising up basically your family collectively together, right? Let's take a little bit more of a, of a New Testament focus. The first chapter of the Gospel of John, we read, Yet to all who did receive him, who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, 
nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Paul says something similar in Romans 8 when he writes, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And in Ephesians 2, Paul also writes, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of the household of God. See, receiving salvation through Jesus Christ means that we become children of God, members of his household. That word household literally means family. It means all those that reside under one house together as a family group, as a family unit. We become part of God's family when we believe in his death and resurrection. And because of this fact, it affects how we treat one another. In his first letter to Timothy, Paul writes, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if you were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Now see, Paul was encouraging Timothy as he pastored this church to treat his fellow believers as family members. I have a friend who would, he would tell his church often that church is not like family, church is family. Church is not like family. Church is family. But see, this, this rubs against the individual consumeristic ideals that we, that we often bring into church. Right? It's, in fact, it, it, this, this notion of church as family is actually incompatible with individualism and consumerism. See, family is collective. It is sacrificial. family is inclusive of all those who come together and claim the same name. I should get an amen on that. It is inclusive of all those who come together and claim the same name. So how does this theological fact that God has made us to be family apply to raising up the next generation? Right? We find something interesting in Matthew chapter 12. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and, and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied, who is my mother and my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, Jesus was not disowning his biological family. <clears throat> I have heard some degree of that taught before. That it's okay to disown your family in preference to the family of God. That is not what Jesus is teaching here. He's not disowning his family, but rather he is emphasizing the belonging that he has to other members of the family of God. Because of this bond that we have, a bond that supersedes any genetic bond we might have with somebody else. Because of this bond that you and I have under the name of Jesus Christ... We have a responsibility for the well-being of all of our family. And as we saw earlier, this includes and even values the next generation. So how do we live this out at New Community? See, discipling the next generation is a strong value of our church. And it's been an emphasis since day one. 
But this is not something that's only left to parents or youth workers, right? This is not something that, that should only be for the educators in our church, since we have a lot of them, right? For those who just love being around kids. This is the duty of every single person who calls New Community Covenant Church your home. This is our responsibility, our obligation. It is our collective responsibility to reach out and disciple children and youth here and throughout Bronzeville. So how do we do this? I want to give you some super practical ways to do this. Right, because we could just wrap it up and say, hey, we got to reach the next generation and go home. But that doesn't leave us with anything to do, right? Especially, you know, let's be honest. Not everybody loves to be around kids all the time, right? We can be honest about that. That's okay. But that does not mean that we shirk our responsibility to disciple the next generation. Amen? So I'm going to give you some super practical ways that we can live this out. Things that literally anybody in our church can do, right? Now, all of these might not be a good fit for you, but there will be at least one on this list that you can do and you can even do today. All right? So, here we go. Here's some suggestions. One, volunteer in Kids City and at Journey Activities. Now, we have been pushing this for the last few weeks, and this is probably the most obvious one. We have ministries to kids within our church already existing and running. And I will be very honest that there are a lot of things that we want to do with our kids that we are not able to do right now because we don't have enough volunteers. We have had at times upwards of 30 kids back there for Kid City to maybe three adults and a few of our middle school students, right? We need to divide our age groups up back there, but we can't because we don't have enough people. We don't have enough help. Um, so that is my plug. It doesn't take a whole lot. You have to be able to pass a background check and be willing to hang out with our kids. That's literally all you have to do to help out in Kid City. We also have a middle school ministry, not everybody knows that, called The Journey. Right now we have seven students. We're about to add some more at the end of the school year. We have some summer activities planned. Journey parents, you will be getting an email this, this week about those. We have some summer stuff mapped out. We have a weekly discipleship class for all of them that runs throughout the school year. But we could use some help with that. We could use some help investing in the lives of our middle schoolers, right? So there's that. Second thing, you can volunteer as a mentor in New Community Outreach's key program, right? Um, where is, where's Sonia at? I saw her earlier. Where's Sonia? She might have dipped out. All right. So we had an amazing group of mentors this last year working with our high school students in the key program. Most of them were from this church, but the program is growing and we're going to need more mentors for next school year. So there's an option. You can also volunteer in other Brownsville youth programs. There are so many after-school programs, clubs, sports teams, drama clubs, all these different things that you could invest some of your time in to get to know youth outside of our church but in the community of Bronzeville. You all have talents and gifts, just like our kids have different things that they're good at. Each one of us have things that we're good at, all right? And God can use those to invest in the lives of youth. You can also volunteer at a local school. Now, I know some of this is limited because of COVID, but COVID will leave at some point, amen? And we will be able to volunteer again in our schools. I have not met a principal yet who turned down volunteers in some capacity, all right? You might not be able to get to do what you want, but they will accept you in some form. Spend an hour in a classroom reading with kids. It is not hard. It just takes you taking the initiative and saying, hey, I'd like to volunteer. <clears throat> now, this one is a little bit more specific. 
But if you are in a hiring position at your job, be intentional about hiring youth from Bronzeville. So many of our teens need summer jobs. If you are in that position, intentionally look for those who live within Bronzeville. And if you need some names, if you're hiring, say, I would love to, but I don't know anybody and nobody's applying. Let me know. Let Sonia know. We have names we can give you. All right? We can connect you. All right, let's speed up. Hire kids to do projects around your house with you. All right? Don't forget that part. With you. Because the whole goal of this is to build relationships and to impress the commandments of God on our next generation. Right? So if you have things that need to be done around the house... With parents' permission, grab a couple of our kids and say, hey, can you come help me in my yard this weekend? I'll give you lunch or I'll pay you a few bucks. Just come and help me and do the work with them. Spend time with our kids getting something done around the house. And make sure you pay them because even though they're kids, they, they deserve to be rewarded for their efforts for their work. Right? Amen? And they could use it. All right. Introduce... And involve kids in your careers or hobbies. Pastor David had kids naming things that they're into. If kids are sharing what they're into and you're like, oh, I like doing that same thing too. Again, with parents' permission, invite them along with you in what you do. At least one of our kids said they like biking. I think pretty much all of our kids love biking to some degree. We have a men's event. They're going on a bike ride, right? So many men in our church, and I'm guessing women as well, but I know a lot of men in love biking. Invite some of the kids along with you. Spend that time. Ride next to them. Talk with them. Simple things. In invite them into your life and the things that you enjoy doing. We have kids who love sports, who love art, who love drama, all these different that love building and making things, right? If that goes along with your career or your hobbies, invite a kid to come alongside you. All right, this next one, this next one. I love this one. Babysit for families in our church. Now, this is a ministry to parents as well as our kids. But look, we have parents who have not been on a date night in who knows how long. And it's not just because of COVID. It's because they need somebody to take their kids. Right now, I have the most kids in this church. Which is... I mean, I'll own that. I have the most kids in this church. Right? It is not easy to take four kids at one time. Right? But you can... Man, grab a couple people with you and say, look, we want to take your kids for a night. Go out, go out to eat, stay out as late as you want. We'll take your kids. And you get free time with kids of our church to be able to spend with them, to get to know them, to impart your life and what you have learned into them, to disciple them alongside their parents. And our parents would love it. Last one, and this is the one that literally anybody can do and you can do it today. Be intentional about talking to our kids when you are here gathered together as a church. Now I will say our, our church does this better than most churches I've seen. But we're about to go over to the park and have a picnic. Even if you didn't bring any food, you can still come and hang out for a little bit before you have to leave. But during these times we're all gathered together, take the time to grab one of our kids and say, hey, how was your week? How was school? What'd you do this weekend? What's going on? Get to know our kids. Value our kids. Spend time talking with them. Get to know them. These conversations lead to that, oh, you like soccer? I like soccer. Man, I'm taking my kids to the park this weekend to play soccer. You want to come? 
right? Those kind of activities to begin involving them in our lives. Now, it doesn't have to be an hour-long conversation. If you're like, I don't, I don't know what to talk to a kid about. I don't have kids. I don't know how to get... It doesn't have to be an hour-long conversation, though, though some of our kids might give you a run for that, right? But just ask them about their week. Ask them what's going on. And then let them run off. But get started in that. Be intentional about getting to know the kids in our church. We have a lot of kids. There's no shortage of kids for you to get to know. Now, I will say this. Because it is tempting as a church to leave the discipleship of our kids to our parents and to our youth ministry. Now, parents, it is our job, it is our duty to be our children's first disciples. And it is my role at the church to help you disciple your kids. But it is the duty and responsibility of every single person here. There's a, let me tell you a quick story, because I know, I know we're running late. The clock on my iPad isn't actually working. Sorry. Um, there's a man named Paul Parsons. He was a member of my church growing up. Paul um, was a small group leader for me in youth group in high school. Um, now, my, my dad is a pastor. My parents love Jesus. They trained us up to follow Jesus. I was already a Christian at this point. But Paul was one of the most influential men in my life during high school. He was a quiet dude. He was extremely humble. He spent his almost the entirety of time at church setting up, tearing down, doing stuff behind the scenes. He was a maintenance worker at, um, at my school, at the Christian school I went to, and, and he ended up being my boss as I worked there over the summers. So I spent a lot of time with him. Most people would look at me as a pastor's son, as somebody who grew up in church, and say, he doesn't really need extra discipleship, right? We should target another kid who doesn't have a pastor as, as a parent and been in church for this long. But I needed him in my life and so many other people like him to continue to show me more of who God is and what it means to follow after him. I learned what a heart of service is from Paul Parsons. I learned to have a heart for other people because Paul grew up as, as a missionary kid throughout countries in Africa and he had this heart to lovingly come alongside people to serve them and share the love of God with them. And I learned that from him. I learned the, the roots of, of cross-cultural relationships and ministry from Paul Parsons, a white guy in the middle of Indiana. But God used him to begin to train me and my heart and my faith to be ready to be where I'm at today. You might not have kids today. Or you might have kids, but there's another kid in this church or in this community that needs to hear from you. That needs to hear what God will say through you into their lives. This is not just, again, just for those who love being around kids or, or feel some kind of calling. Each one of us in here has faith and has truth that we can pass on to the next generation and need to pass on to the next generation. It is central to God's heart. And it is one of the main ways that we build the household of God by training the next generation to fear the Lord. We spend time with our kids. We do life with our kids. And we talk about the wonders of God with them. So our church needs to start asking ourselves this question. And how are the children? How are the children of New Community Covenant Church? How are the children of Bronzeville? How are the children of the South Side? How are the children of Chicago?
if this question is on the front of our minds and on our hearts, then the discipleship of our children will be paramount to who we are as a church. And if it is central to who we are as the culture of new community, then we will truly be able to answer all the children are well. Father God, thank you for your heart for children, for your heart for the next generation, because I know many of us have the story of being trained up in the faith. Like Timothy, who learned from his mother and his grandfather, he was trained in the faith from his family first. God, and, and a lot of us have that testimony. But Lord, so many more of us met adults along the way who poured into our lives, who continued on the foundation that was already given us, but grew us into the men and women that we are today. So Father, I pray as a church, as a body, as a family, that you impress upon us the need to train up our next generation, the need to invest and disciple the lives of our children and our youth here. Father, I pray that our hearts would burn with passion to train up the next generation, Father. Lord, help us to be intentional and mindful in valuing the lives of our kids, the ones that you have entrusted to our care as your family, Father. Do this in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.